0: amen and amen now one of the things that we want to pick up this thought on is in verse number 29 of ephesians 4 it says let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth which let me just remind you briefly you can't stop other people from speaking corruptible things but you can turn your ear off to it (laughs) amen If other people want to bring out the trash with their mouth, you don't have to sit there and let them put it in your ear. Come on now. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, though, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearer. Now, here in verse number 30 is an important concept that I want to key in on tonight. And it's going to really uh, carry the, the weight of this message. And it is uh, verse 30. It says, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed under the day of redemption. You see, the Holy Spirit in you is a seal on you. And, and the Holy Spirit in you marks you that you belong to God. It is a seal. Now, the Holy Spirit will not lead you into sin. Amen. It, you know, that's kind of foolishness to believe that somebody's full of the Holy Spirit and also living a life full of sin. That doesn't mean that we don't mess up in sin, but it means that the Holy Spirit doesn't allow us to stay there. Amen. When we get into a mess, the Holy Spirit will work on us to get us out of it. That's one of his jobs that I'm going to show you. But what I want you to see here is that in this passage of Ephesians 4, we talked about how the Holy Spirit can be grieved by the words that you just simply by your tongue can set a course for your life to take you out of the path of righteousness, to take you out of the blessings of God, to take you and move you away from the promises of God just by the simple rudder of your mouth. You can set your course to go a different pattern, okay? And so, right, but I want you to see up above this in in Ephesians 4, one of the thoughts for this whole chapter is that you become and walk in the new man. So this is all part of a continuous thought about you not being the old man, but being the new man, that you're walking in the newness of life, in the new man. And one of the problems that, that a lot of us have is that we're still living the old life. And God has called us out of the old and into the new. The Bible says in Second Corinthians that old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And if you want to be a Christian, come on, there's things that have got to go to the past. You, you can't live how you used to live. When you become a believer on the Lord Jesus Christ, you turn your back on your old life. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. And that's a promise as we begin into this new year, that if you want to have that newness of life, you've got to be willing to turn away from the old. That's one of the things that we've got to do. Now, in, in Romans chapter number 6, this is where we find our mode for baptism, our mode for baptism, and that is that we're buried with Christ. Now, you don't literally get buried with Christ. You spiritually get buried with Christ when you identify with his death. That's what baptism is. Buried with Christ in his death and raised, it says in Romans 6, 4, raised to the newness of life raised up to a new life and so you, you you know one of the one of the problems that most people find themselves in is they got one foot in the old life and one foot in the new new life they've never experienced or never identified with the crucified life with, with being buried in the baptism of the death of Christ amen in, in, in turning your back on your old ways, on your old life, and walking in the newness of life. And, and what you'll find, what you'll find if you try to live a new life and an old life, it's going to wear you out. But not only is it going to wear you out, it's going to grieve the Holy Spirit. It's not only going to, because you know, keeping up the religious front can only c- c- carry on for so far. You can keep the circus, you know, going on. You can keep the show going, and nobody being home for so long, and you're going to get wore out. It's going to it's going to wear you out being fake. It's going to wear you out. You need the real thing. You need the authentic touch from God. You can't have so. You can't live off of somebody else's testimony, and you can't live off of imagination. You need an actual encounter with God yourself. Amen. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You need a personal encounter with the living God. That's when everything will change. Uh, other than that, we're just doing religion. But it's when God creates in you a new spirit and a new heart that you'll begin to live a completely different life. Well, one of the things that you see in this continuation of this text, up above this, in uh, let me show you this in verse number 23. It says... Well, let's look at verse 22, just so you understand what I'm talking about. It says that you put off concerning the former conversation, and that means the former way of life, the old man. So do you understand where I'm talking about putting off the old? Putting off the old? That the, the, the old is passed away, the new's come? okay. Put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. So God's not just telling you to, 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 you know, stop being who you used to be. God's telling you don't be who you used to be. Be be made new in the spirit. You, you, You understand the difference? God's not asking you to be something that you're not. God's asking you to be who the Spirit makes you to be, not who you used to be. It's a huge difference because you don't have the strength to live the life on your own. You've got to do it with God doing it through you. You've got to be surrendered to God and allowing God to live through you and in you. Be renewed by the Spirit. That is the Holy Spirit working in you and through you, right? Be renewed in the Spirit of your mind. Verse 24, and this is what I want to key in on. And that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Now look at this. Look at what we got here. The new man is not created to hang from chandeliers and swing from one to the next. The new man is created in righteousness and true holiness. So what what is pastor trying to get at? What's the point I'm trying to get at? If God's doing a work in you, he's going to call you not to swing from a chandelier first, but first to live righteously and to allow him to do a work of holiness in you and through you. One of the things that you'll see as we go through this year, I believe that God is calling the church into a deeper walk of holiness in, in one of the verses that God brought to my heart whenever I was just praying over this upcoming year, he said, uh, you remember this verse? He said, where my servant is, that's where I'll be? No, that's not what he said. He said, where I am, there shall my servant be also. You see, we get it backwards. We believe where, where, wherever I am, that's where Jesus is. But Jesus said, wherever I am, there my servant shall be also. Amen? You see, how does that happen? Because the servant is waiting and watching to see where Jesus is. And the servant, the true servant of God, goes where Jesus is, follows him, imitates him, walks where he walks, loves who he loves, stands for what he stands for. The true servant of God will will live a life of righteousness and true holiness. One of the things that I want to show you about the Holy Spirit and grieving the Holy Spirit uh, that we don't often recognize is that you can, you can grieve the Holy Spirit by what you do. How many of you how many of y'all have been there before? I'll, I'll, I'll raise my hand on that. There's things that I've done that have grieved the Holy Spirit, and I know it, and I repented of it, amen, and I thank God that he had mercy, and he forgave me and cleansed me and and set me free from that, right? So there's things that we do that can grieve the Holy Spirit, but what I want you to think about tonight is that there are also things that you don't do that can grieve the Holy Spirit. So it's, in other words, It's not simply just not sinning. It's also when you're unwilling to do that which is right. It's not just simply what you, well, I don't drink, I don't smoke, and I don't chew, and I don't go with girls that do. That's what I was told when I grew up. Right? It's not just not sinning, but you see, you can also grieve the Holy Spirit by not walking with him. By not being led by him, by not listening and not obeying, by being unwilling to do what he's called you to do. You see, this is one of the important things that we need to, a concept that we need to grab hold of in the modern church. Um, one of the, uh, one of the um, commentators on the Bible, uh, John Gill, he said that this is an unmindfulness of the things of the spirit. An unmindfulness mindfulness of the things of the Spirit in other words that we could care less what the Holy Spirit wants us to do we're gonna do what we want to do as long as we don't you know do the big sins well I'm not murdering anybody well I mean I'm not out there slashing people's tires and robbing their houses Never mind the fact that I'm not listening to the God, I'm not praying, I'm not seeking him through the word of God, I'm not fasting, I'm not, you know, constantly moving towards him and, 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 and asking him and saying, God, I need you more, I need your presence, I want to walk with you. When I get up in the morning, I hunger and I thirst for your presence, I hunger and thirst for more of you, God, I want you, never mind all that. You see, in in modern American Christianity, as long as we're not murdering people and slashing their tires, we think that we can just coast. But you see, it's not just the things that we do that grieve the Holy Spirit. It's also things that we don't do. And I'm going to show you just a couple of these examples just so you know from the Word of God because I don't want you to take my word for it. I want to show you some examples from the Bible. Well, one of the ones that I want to show you just uh, point out to you how many of y'all remember who eli was in the bible is amazing right priest of god eli A great man of god you remember um whenever hannah came up there and she was praying he thought she was drunk right but she wasn't she's kind of like us oh, sometimes we get so overcome with grief and heartache and we're pouring out our spirit to god our mouth will move and nothing's coming out right she was pray. she was praying in the holy ghost but she was praying, and, and Eli, this man of God, he said, you know, he prayed for her. She got pregnant. You remember that? With who? Samuel. Well, one of the things that I want to point out to you about Eli, Eli didn't necessarily do anything wrong himself. Do you know what his problem was? He didn't do that which was right either. He tried to, he tried to be like the modern American Christian and right in the middle right, and play both sides of the fence. I'm not murdering folks, and I'm not slashing their tires, but my two sons, you know what they were doing? They they were having their way with the women of Israel, priests. Oh, you've got an offering? Let me see it. And they were having their way with the women, and he knew it. He knew it, right? Right? So he wasn't the one sinning. It was his sons. But the right thing to do would have been to pull them from the priesthood. Amen. The right thing to do would have been to deal with them, right? Amen. Whatever course of action, whatever way God directed, but you've got to do something about it. But you know what he did? It's what most of us do. Stick our fingers in our ear. Put cotton balls in there. You see, this stuff goes on today in, 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 in our lives in many and in mega ways. Many ways, you know, day to day, but you know in mega ways in the American Christian church, we put fingers in our ears about things like abortion and same-sex marriage and issues like this, right? But as long as we're not doing it, we're not going to say anything about it. What difference does it make if everybody else is doing it? Well, God wants you to be a voice. Of righteousness and true holiness that's the things that the new man walks in righteousness and true holiness you can't say that God's doing a work in you if he's not leading you to live a more righteous life and a more holy life I'm not talking about where you start out at you might start out you know on skid row you might start out as uh, you know I've seen people start out as prostitutes or or you know whatever it's not about where you start out it's about are you allowing God to change you? Are you allowing God to work on you or is the door is the shop closed? See, that's what changes everything is when you allow God to do a work in you and if God's doing a work in you, he's causing you to become more righteous and more holy day by day. He's leading you and guiding you to be more and more like Jesus. Right? It's him doing it through you, not you doing it. It's him doing it in you. What what does that mean? All it simply means is this. Let me just help you understand what I'm talking about. When you ask God to help you, right? God, I want more of you. I want you to do more of a work in me than ever before. What will happen is you'll begin to be less satisfied with the things that grieve the Holy Spirit. They won't satisfy you anymore. They won't do it for you anymore. You'll lose the taste. You'll lose the affection for it. Sometimes overnight, sometimes instantaneous, and sometimes gradual. But you'll begin losing the taste for sin. If God's doing a work in you, that's exactly what's going to happen. God's going to do a work of purifying you. And you know what? You'll never be at a point in your life where you don't need God to purify you. Even if you're 99 and all you did was ever steal bubble gum, God's still going to be doing a work of cleansing you and purifying you and making you more like Jesus every day. The, the, the doors of your heart have to be open to the working of the Holy Spirit every day of your life till the day God calls you home. And the day that we shut the doors and close up shop, that's the day we begin to grow cold and bitter then that's a dangerous place to be because it's a slippery slope. If you've ever been on the backside of the cold place and the dark place, you know what I'm talking about. If you've ever experienced depression before, you know what I'm talking about. It feels good in the dark place. Your flesh likes it, but it grieves the Holy Spirit. And it's a dangerous place because your flesh wants to stay there. And that's why you've got to fight, and you've got to claw, and you've got to say, God, I need you to work in me. I can't do it. I can't lift this burden. I, you know, even if I tried, I don't even know how to do it. How many of you have ever had those issues in your life where you can't even describe with your English words what's wrong? Something's wrong, and I don't even know how to express it. That's when you need the Holy Spirit's help. That's when you need the Holy Spirit's help because God knows what's going on in us. God knows what we need. You, you may think that you need a, a new car, but God knows you need a new heart. Or you may think that you, you may think that you need a position on the platform, but God may think that you need a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit first. God may think that you need this or that. And it's all, it's it's not about what we want. It's about what he wants in us and are we willing to allow him to do whatever it costs to do whatever needs to be done just being open and in a willing vessel for god well eli's problem um like i said it wasn't that eli sinned it wasn't that he put his hands to a sin matter because eli was a, a quote unquote man of god And you may, you know, you may be in a position where you say, well, I would never do this, 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 or this. I would never do that. But if, if something presents itself to you and you're unwilling to do that, which is right, even when it hurts, you've got the same issue Eli did. And I'll tell you one of the problems with that, one of the problems with it, because I'm going to relate it to grieving the Holy Spirit. How many of y'all remember what happened? The, the Ark of the Covenant was taken. And Ichabod was written over the, over the house of God. Ichabod means the glory has departed. What happened was God got so grieved by Eli's unwillingness to do that which was right that God allowed the ark, the, the place where he met with Israel, he allowed it to be captured and taken to the land of the Philistines. Ichabod, the glory of God. Has departed so many of us so many of us are keeping up a front are keeping up a front but the glory has departed okay it's what happens when we grieve the Holy Spirit when we're unwilling to allow God to do what is necessary in our lives and always remember always remember if God's doing the work in you he's gonna be causing you to walk in holiness and righteousness he's not gonna cause you to do things that are ungodly right it's not God that calls you to do those things. Well, the, the thing about Eli is um, the, the him it cost him and his two sons their lives, and it cost Israel momentarily the presence of God. Okay? It cost Israel the presence of God. Let me show you something in John chapter number 14. John chapter number 14. We'll pick it up in verse number 16. See, one of the promises that God has given us, just like the Ark of the Covenant, it represented God's presence. The Ark of the Covenant represented God's companionship with Israel. And when it was taken, they had no more way of accessing God. Back in the Old Testament, before the cross, if there's no Ark of the Covenant, there's no you coming to God. That's where you met with God at. And so when it's gone, you're hopeless. You're in a bad spot. Well, see, in the New Testament, we have the Holy Spirit in us. The Bible says that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are the temple of God. You are, if you're born again. You are the temple of God. The Holy Spirit's supposed to be living in you. Jesus says that the Holy Spirit basically is your constant companion. See, you don't need more friends. You need to get reacquainted with the one who loves you and sticks to you closer than a brother. You need, to lo- you need to get reacquainted with the one who loves you with an unceasing love. You need to get reacquainted with the one who is there to bear your burdens. The one who's there to, to, to listen and, and, and be with you in the midnight hour, your constant companion, the Holy Spirit. Verse number uh, 16 of, of chapter 14, Jesus said, I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter. You know why he said another comforter? Because he was the first one. He was the comforter to the disciples. He was the one, you know, whenever their faith would would get kind of shaken, he was the one who would reassure them. He was the one who would remind them. He was the one that would be, the, and you know what? He was with them all the time, wasn't he? He was with them all the time. And so he was their comforter. This word uh, comforter, it just it, it, it's a constant companion by your side. Um, he'll give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. You see? The, the, the work of the Holy Spirit is to abide with you forever. It's to abide with you. You know what it means to abide, right? The Holy Spirit's desire is to be a part of your life. Abide. How many times have we gotten up in the morning and not given God a second thought? And gone through our day and not given God a second thought? and ended the day at nighttime and never give God a second thought. How many times have we done that? And Jesus said, I'm going to pray, and God's going to send you another comforter that he may abide with you. You've got the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead, abiding with us, and we're too busy to make time for him. See, he wants to abide with us. He doesn't just want to tag along. He doesn't just want to go wherever you go. It's a, it's a relationship. It's a companionship. It's, it, it's, an, it's, a, it's a relationship with you and the Holy Spirit. I want to show you something about the Holy Spirit in just a second that a lot of people uh, kind of miss. It's very important. Look at verse number 17 first, though. It says, Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, But you know him, for he dwelleth with you, and he shall be in you. He shall be in you. I want you to remember that. He shall be in you. When Pentecost came, the Holy Spirit came to the church. When Pentecost came, the Holy Spirit came to the church, and he said the the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, shall be in you from that point on, and he's going to be your constant companion, abiding with you, right? Right? weathering every storm, guiding you through the night, and giving you instruction on how to walk and please God. That's what he came to do. Now, um, move over two chapters to chapter number 16. Let me show you something in verse number 13, and we're going to move forward. One of the things about the Holy Spirit that is not taught too often It says, how be it when he, in in verse number 13, how be it when he, the spirit of truth is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me. For he shall receive a mine and shall show it unto you. A couple of things on this, on this passage. Number one, when the Holy Spirit has come, he's coming to lead you into all truth. You know, Jesus said that he's the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by him. If the Holy Spirit is a part of our lives, he's drawing us to Jesus. Jesus is the truth, Right? and it says the holy spirit is going to lead us and guide us into all truth so the holy spirit is going to spiritually grab you by the head right and turn you and point you right to jesus that's his job to lead you and guide you into all truth we, we, we will run to everybody else under the sun for everything that's wrong in our lives. And the whole time the Holy Spirit, our constant companion that abides in us, is trying to grab our faces and turn us to point us to Jesus. He leads us and guides us into all truth. That's his number one thing that he does. It says in another place that he comes to lead us into all truth, and he convicts the world of sin. Those are two things that the Holy Spirit does. But there's something else in this verse that I want to show you tonight that's very important, and it is that this, he speaks not of himself. Look who it says the Holy Spirit glorifies in in, in the very next verse. It says the Holy Spirit glorifies me, Jesus said. He shall glorify me. Jesus said the Holy Spirit will glorify me. Here's Here's a big indicator for you. Now, when we get into this, Um, the, the, uh, when we get into our teachings on Wednesday nights on the, on the new apostolic reformation, this will make a lot more sense to you, but I want to, I want to show you something right here. It, when people focus on the Holy spirit, they're, they're, they're walking on a thin line. Okay. Because the Holy spirit, if the Holy spirit's doing it, the Holy spirit is going to point you to Jesus, not to himself. People that make everything about the Holy Spirit are missing the memo because the Holy Spirit is shouting, look to Jesus, look to Jesus, look to Jesus, okay? So one of the things that we need to remember is that the Holy Spirit is going to constantly be convicting and pulling us and prodding us and and prompting us to go to Jesus, You see, this is an important distinction that you need to remember about the Holy Spirit's work. His work is to convict, and Satan's work is to condemn. The difference between condemn and convict is this. Satan tells you, you've blown it, you've messed up, you're no good, everybody knows you're a failure, stop trying. That's called condemnation. Conviction is, come on, you can do better, go to Jesus. Come on, you know, you know Jesus won't turn you away. You know to take your trials. You know to take your problems. You know to go to, it's always prompting you to go to Jesus. That's the difference between conviction and condemnation. Now, here's, here's one of the things I want to tie this together on with the the with the, uh, grieving of the Holy Spirit. It said, it's not so much always what you do but sometimes it's what you don't do i want to give you a second example i told you about eli for just a second let me give you a second example let me let me remind you about a guy named jonah in the bible there's actually a book about him in the bible now we don't we don't think about it this way we don't think about it this way we just think, you know we just think about what he did wrong but it's not so much that he did something wrong it's that he didn't do that which was right Right? Think about it. God calls Jonah to go preach to the Ninevites. And he don't want to. He don't like the Ninevites at all. And rather than preach, he turns and goes the other way. Right? It's not explicitly sinful, but it's being disobedient. And when we're disobedient to the promptings of God, we will grieve the Holy Spirit. And one of the things that happened to Jonah is... They ended up, it, the, you remember the storm came, and they couldn't figure out why the storm was there. It was because God wasn't happy with Jonah. He had grieved the Holy Spirit. And everywhere he went, there, the, the same issue was there. You know that you can't outrun God? Amen. You, you, you know that, right? You can tell somebody a story and think that that's all that there is to it, but God knows the truth, and everywhere you go, God's going to be there, and God's going to bring that thing to the surface. Until you're ready to deal with the issue, it's going to continue following you. One of my favorite verses in John 3, it says that those that believe not, the wrath of God abideth on them. Abideth on them. It's like that rain cloud that never leaves your head. Everywhere you go, the wrath of God abides on you. That, that's what that is. Well, here's the thing about Jonah. Jonah gets thrown out of the boat, right? And he's in the belly of the fish, the big fish, the whale. And there he repents, right? You know what his repentance was? I'll begin to do that which is right. I'll begin to do that which I'll do what you told me to do. I'll do what you told me to do, God. You see, it's not always what you do. It's sometimes what you don't do. Sometimes we know the right thing to do, and we don't do it. i tell you, one of the problems in, uh, in, in a lot of the church world today is forsaking the assembling of yourselves together. Hebrews 10, verse 25. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, as a manner of some is, right? And all the more as the day approaches. You know, the closer we get to the return of the Lord, deception is going to increase in the world. I've I've heard multiple ministers almost verbatim say we're in that time. We're in the time of the falling away. We're there. We're there. I I've I've heard multiple ministers almost verbatim. If you recorded, you could just swap them out. I believe we if we're not there, we're getting close to there. And if you're not willing to listen and obey the Holy Spirit's promptings and get connected to him, you might find yourself deceived. Because in, in, to be able, you're not going to be able to outsmart the deceiver. Forget that. You're not going to be able to outsmart the deceiver. The devil knows way more about theology and doctrine than you or I ever will be. He could score a 100 on a theology test but it don't make him right with God. Amen. What makes the difference is when you surrender to God and you obey the Holy Spirit. That's what will make all the difference in the world. And, and what is going to be needed right now in the church world, what's going to be needed right now in the church world is an unwavering willingness to do everything that God asks you to do and not do what he tells you not to do. Yeah, it's it's this, this sticking close to God This this coming close to him and abiding with him and, and being close to him, attaching yourself to him. Saying, God, just like you said, wherever you are, there I will also be. I'm not telling you to follow me around. I'm not telling you, you know, I'm not gonna wag you like a dog and tell you where we're gonna go. I'm gonna ask you, God, where do you want me to go today? who do you want me to minister to today? Who do you want me to pray for today? When was the last time, whenever we got in our prayer closet, when was the last time we asked God what he wanted us to pray about? Andrew Murray and his great work on the on the issue of prayer. He said, if you are, are battling prayerlessness, you're not abiding. And the quickest way to do it and what will excite your spirit is to get on your knees, tell God you're sorry first, and then say, God, what do you want me to pray about? You know all my problems. You know sister so-and-so's doing this and brother so-and-so's doing that and I need a new this and I can't go on without it. You know all that. You know me. But what do you want me to pray about? And God will put somebody on your heart. God will put somebody on your heart. God will put you to praying about somebody that you forgot about. God will put you to pray on a situation that that doesn't even concern you. God will get you to praying about something on the surface level. You could you, well. Why do you want me to pray about their marriage? They're happy. You don't know what goes on behind closed doors. You don't know what's going on in their life. You you only see the outward. God sees the inward. And if you're willing to get close and intimate with God and allow God to use you and minister through you, God will excite you in your prayer life. God will put things on you and you'll begin to see God move. And the more you do this, the more you practice this prayerfulness, you'll get excited about your times of prayer. You won't be falling asleep in prayer no more. You'll be excited and raring to go. You'll be wanting to get back in that place of prayer. That this is, and that, that comes from Andrew Murray and his great work on prayer. It's essential. You want to learn how to pray? Read those kinds of books, him and E.M. Bounds. But more than that, just look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. Look at him. If he needed to pray, you need to pray. Amen. He's God in the flesh. And if he had to draw strength from God through prayer, we need to too that's why so many Christians are spiritually anemic. It's because our prayer life is anemic. And it's because we're not listening to the Holy Spirit. We're not willing to abide in that secret place. We're not willing to do what it costs to allow God to do a work in us. Again, again, it's not just simply good enough to not murder and cut people's tires. That's not going to help you. You're going to have to learn to listen to God and follow God and do what he asks you to do, being obedient to God. This is the abiding with God. So, it, again, you, know, you can be like Eli, you can be like Jonah, but you're going to miss out on his presence. You're going to miss out on his presence. Let me take you one more place in Isaiah chapter 63 we'll close here in Isaiah 63 watch this say well you know what's the big problem with grieving the holy spirit well if you don't want a if you don't want a life full of the spirit there's nothing wrong with it but if you, want to, if you want to live a faithful and successful Christian life, you're going to need the Holy Spirit. In fact, in fact, your spirit is crying out for more of God. But when we live a life in opposition to God, we will grieve him. Look what happens here in verse number 10, Isaiah 63, verse 10. It says, but they rebelled. Now, you don't know nothing about that, do you? You know, God says rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, right? Rebellion. They rebelled. In other words, God wanted them to do one thing, and they did something else. God said, don't touch it. They touched it. God said, "Don't, don't go with them. They went with them. God said, don't do that. They did it. They just rebelled against God. God tells you, you know, Not to lie, you lie, you rebel. God tells you don't fornicate, you fornicate, you rebel. God tells you don't steal, you steal, you rebel. Well, look what happens. They rebelled and they vexed his Holy Spirit. Whoops. God's merciful, but you know what? You can get to the point where you grieve God. And that's exactly what Ephesians 4 is talking about. There's a dangerous line there that you don't want to cross. You see, uh, God was even grieved in Genesis. That's when, it, that's when you know, he decided to, to do the flood. God was grieved with man. He was sorry that he made us. It's furious, actually, with this. You the whole? Can you imagine the Holy Spirit living in us but being grieved with us? What that's like on the, in the spirit world? The Holy Spirit living in us but being grieved with us. The word grieved, it means sorrow upon sorrow. Sorrow upon sorrow. Can you imagine that we do that to God? Just simply because we want to Eli it or Jonah it. And God's called you to, to live a life of faithfulness not mediocrity. See, in, 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 in what God's calling us to do is, is to live and abide in his presence. Verse 10, they rebelled and they vexed his Holy Spirit, therefore he was turned to be their enemy and fought against them. Wait a second. It's talking about God's people. God got upset with his own people, and he began to fight against them because they rebelled. You ever, you ever felt like that before? You ever felt like you're kicking against the wind and everything's against you? You, you feel like you, you push it and you're not making any progress? It could perhaps be that we've grieved the Holy Spirit and not repented for it. Could be. I'm not saying that's what your problem is. I'm not saying that's what my problem is. But I'm saying it's possible that it's because we're unwilling to do that which is right. Not just abstain from what's wrong, but also not doing that which is right. That's also rebellion. That's the the sin of Jonah. That's the sin of Eli. It's, It's not just that they outwardly did something wrong. It's that they refused to do that which was right that's also rebellion and i believe in this day and in this hour as the church of god god's calling us to a deeper place of holiness and we're going to have to get into that place where we're willing to do whatever it costs to stay in his presence if you don't hunger and thirst for his presence you need to get right with god If you don't hunger and thirst for for his presence you're going to get frustrated you can't do it if you're not hungering and thirsting for his presence your tank will run dry. You've got to have the Holy Spirit working in you and through you. That's the only way that you're going to be able to make it. Other than that, well, listen, you only got so much strength. You've only got so much patience. You've only got so much. Let me just tell you this. I'm closing. Let me just tell you this. How many of you have ever been like this? I've had it up to here. Right? Well, they better not do that again. I've had it up to here. You know what? God, it just keeps going, right? He's patient and he's long-suffering. Where's the end with God? Well, you don't want to know. But, but here's the thing I want you to see. You will run out before God. Your patience will run out before God. Your strength will run out before God. Your peace will leave before God's peace will leave. You see, that's why you need God. You need his peace. You need his strength. You need the power. You need that patience. The fruit of the Spirit. Don't ever forget that. The fruit of the Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. That's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will produce those things in you if you're abiding in Christ. Christ. If you're abiding in Christ, the Holy Spirit will produce those things in your life. You don't have to try to be more loving. You have to abide in Christ, and you'll be more loving. You don't have to try to have more peace in your life. Abide in Christ, you'll have more peace. The the, the fruit of the Spirit, uh, you don't try for them. You abide in Christ, and you get them as a byproduct of abiding in Christ. And that's what most people miss today. That's what most people miss today. Well, I want to just close with this thought with you, is that God's desire is that you would do whatever's possible. Whatever's possible. Removing or adding, changing, in order to stay in his presence. When things grieve him, to remove them. And when it's us that we ask God to change us. And and, and I'll close with this, that just like we uh, talked about earlier, that you know what, you can't change yesterday. And I believe what God's doing in this next year, uh, um, I believe that God's doing this work of purifying. I believe he's taking all of us to a deeper walk with him. A deeper walk with him. And, And a deeper walk is gonna produce a deeper level of holiness and righteousness. But it's also going to produce a deeper manifestation of his presence and his spirit, as you kind of saw tonight. God's going to move more.